up duelists welcome to pod of greed the world's number one and only Yu-Gi-Oh podcast sponsored by kaiba corp i'm max and elevator I hardly know her <laughs> i'm sarah <laughs> aka dueling an elevator losing my life points as i'm going down and we have some very special guests today would you guys like to introduce yourselves uh sure i'm nina and i realized the minute i started watching this show why uh card games deck building games never really stuck for me (laughs) oh no it's a good sign uh and i'm tom and i bring a quickly googling what is the drag coefficient of a falling motorcycle kind of energy to this whole process (laughs) Mm. the problem with that tom that you should have googled the dragon coefficient instead oh right yeah yeah. (laughs) it's 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 five five drag coefficients that's right wait is that what the d's are for is each d a dragon you better believe it Sure is. You all might know more about Yu-Gi-Oh than I do, but I probably know more about motorcycles than you. That's do. true. See, we 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 always seek to bring in guests who kind of have a a repertoire of information that's sort of outside of our pure purview. <laughs> that purview being an extremely small small circle of like how many like how many silly little D Yu-Gi-Oh card jokes we make per episode. So this is good mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so listeners, you may know, not know this, but, uh, myself, Max, Tom, and Nina do another podcast, which is all about motorcycles and how fast <laughs> they can go, which is why it's called The Wheel of Time. <laughs> 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 yep. That's all I had for that. Um, yeah, we do podcast Nevermind over. the Trollocs t- together. What if um, it was Nevermind the High Trollocs? Like, uh, uh, okay, okay. Look, I'm, I'm gonna go i'm just gonna say it the wheel of time would be dramatically improved by a couple of motorcycles yeah like when rand figures out traveling why didn't he figure out traveling by motorcycle yeah why didn't he figure out dealing um matt would do the acura slide matt on the horse it would be very good um oh god kill killing the poor horse you've broken all four legs it'll be fine it'll be fine um it's the it's like the the like Yakuza Ishin, but like Yu-Gi-Oh Ishin, and it's five Ds, and they're on horses. That's kind of what season five of Doom Monsters is. That is true. Okay, let's talk about Yu-Gi-Oh, folks. L- let's um, talk about something that Tom and Nina have seen. <laughs> yes, Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, as we do with all our guests, um, we would like to know what you guys' history with Yu-Gi-Oh and the Yu-Gi-Oh franchise of products is, um, and you know, just to see how fresh you were on this today um well i have never watched any Yu-Gi-Oh before this nor have i played the card game nor have i ever really thought about it for more than five minutes at a time damn ideal ideal podcast guest completely smooth i'm a total blank slate Almost entirely the same as for Tom, but I am used to seeing the memes. I've seen a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh memes on the internet, uh, and an author I like is into Yu-Gi-Oh, and so people make Yu-Gi-Oh fan art for her, but, oh, sorry, for them. Mm. Uh, but uh, beyond that, no, I haven't watched or played any <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh. I should also Excellent. say, I'm like actively repelled by these kinds of card games oh my god i'm fine i'm fine with the show or whatever but like if you took 
any video game and introduced a collectible cards mechanic to it, that would immediately make it like 50% worse in my estimation. Mm-hmm. I just like, my brain refuses to reckon with these kinds of games. What makes Yu-Gi-Oh, I think, the most, like, unfriendly to learn out of... Like, when someone says 90s trading card games, I feel like the three things everyone thinks of are Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, and Magic. Um, Those are the three things I thought of just then, so yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sample size one, 100% accuracy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But Pokemon and Magic do this thing where, like, they're constantly kind of rotating out what you can and can't use to keep everything fresh and decently understandable Yu-Gi-Oh doesn't do that so you can play cards from 20 years ago and it's legal and I'm pretty sure we're in like five digits worth of you can play any card they all work together so it's like it's it really is a card game for sickos (laughs) (laughs) yeah I had a very funny flashback while watching this show to being in high school and a boyfriend who was into magic trying to teach me and I was into all kinds of other nerdy stuff like it it was not weird for him to think that I might enjoy it mm-hmm. uh, and just brain completely glossed over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like could not be interested mm-hmm. in how all these different cards interacted. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We played one round. At least the show has the benefit of like kind of feeding you only like two, maybe three pieces of information at once and sort of leaving it there in mm-hmm. some sort of. 22 minute capsule mm-hmm. that was um, one of the things that i thought was really interesting about the show that i hadn't really expected was that it's basically like a narrated Yu-Gi-Oh match in places it yeah. feels like a real card match would feel but with some added animation uh which it's not my thing but if it's mostly aimed at fans mm-hmm. and participants of the card game i can see that being really fun and interesting <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I had, I had a similar i had a similar reaction of like gosh, I wish they would remove all these card game elements from this otherwise pretty interesting story. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, look, that's what keeps <laughs> us going because there there are times when they start dueling and, like, the collective six of us just kind of look away for a little while and it's like, oh, yeah, dueling happens. It says so in my notes. Anyway, back to the plot. Like, <laughs> That's literally what it says in my notes this week. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me feel much better about the fact that I... Did not pay a lot of attention to the duels. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like, and why I, did I take such detailed notes about the duels? Yeah, I, I take notes about I'm writing the down duels. life points and mm-hmm. I, attack I, position, defense position. Right, yeah, like, I take notes for the duels. I don't really go over everything in detail unless it's like, oh, and this is actually a really cool combo that you say pulls off. But mostly by taking notes for the duels as I would everything else, it, like, helps me to pay attention to everything. I'm kind of, like, you know, keeping the entire episode on an equal level of paying attention writing down things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but let's let's yeah let's get into it i say let's. we jump into it Let, let's let's see how much of this you guys really uh retained uh yeah not nice that the test got um <laughs> making me nervous um first thing to note actually um because i because it's me and max and me and max are usually both on sub group this week That's i have right. switched to dub crew so i watched the dub this week um, what about our guests? I watched the dub. And I watched the subtitled. Right. Did you do this at the same time beside each other? Like I'm picturing <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Um, You can keep picturing that. It, it's not <laughs> accurate, but go ahead. It Make makes yourself me happy. happy. Yeah. Uh, well, for the sub, this is, I mean, episode number is the same. It's GX. GX. I, I'm still doing uh-huh. it. It's 5Ds, episode 11. The special pursuit deck returns. Regain the bonds with a friend. Hmm. The take bark. 
the take the take part. Fuck the, <laughs> the take, take part. part. <laughs> part one. Yeah, me me when I see a cool tree in the woods. <laughs> no, take don't take the part. <laughs> <laughs> part when I see I a particularly delectable piece of lichen. Excellent, excellent. M- me learning about how to shape a bonsai. Yeah. <laughs> Part one. Um, me deciding what kind of medieval ship to use while traveling across the seas. Take bark. Yeah. Excellent. So we open up with some fucking Agent Smith bullshit where you say our protagonist is on the street and he's like being watched by some guys. He's being followed. And he's being followed and he's on his way to a special secret shop that he learned about like the last episode. Um, and they sort of tail him there. And then we get the OP. Um, I... I hadn't really actually heard the double P before. Yeah, you have, you have the English one. Out. It's re- going fast makes me feel alive. It's a good actually. song. <laughs> it's a really good song. I know we've talked about this, but like, it's my first time experiencing it. I like the uh, the original OP a lot. I thought the music was great. Yeah, mm. they they do a really good job. I mean, you know, it's it's a long anime, so you're gonna have hits or misses. I think like GX had what five openings, I think, and. Wow. I So Four Kids always does the one. Like, it's the same throughout the entire series, and I guess they just change the visuals. But uh, for the original sub, it's there's actual OPs, and, you know, they rotate, like, every every big arc, 20 or so episodes. And, like, yeah, I, I'm obsessed with this current OP. It just feels very, like, <laughs> garage and grungy in the beginning before it kind of, like, turns into a more traditional, like, what you'd expect from, like, a shonen card game OP. Mm-hmm. But fits the show. But but at the same time, going fast does make me feel alive. My heart beats in hyperdrive. <laughs> Take me to the hospital. <laughs> um, so Yusei goes down a little cellar thing to the, the secret little pub. He does the special code word ordering with the milk in the dub. I can't remember what it was in the sub. It was probably oh just God, normal wait. in the sub. You th- yeah? So hold on, Sarah, you, yes? think it's a, you think it's a pub. Yeah, it looked like a pub. Well, what does it say? What is it in the sub? It- it's a hookah lounge. So did they edit out all the I hookahs? just realized that four kids would have had to edit all <laughs> I just of- thought it was a dive bar. Yeah, there's a hookah on every single table in this building. Holy shit! I did notice the hookahs. D- how does it feel to, like, be on the other end of sub crew now? <laughs> Damn. Because okay, I was going to ask, I was like, well, you say clearly gets pushed a glass of milk, which is... <laughs> he goes I'm to the long, long milk bar, yeah. Been been photoshopped into milk from like wine oh, no, it's milk. pegasus style oh. it's Wait, really milk? Just milk he orders he orders a glass of milk oh yes yes no that w- that like makes sense because it's it's the code right who goes into a bar it's like in uh gundam 0080 when he asks for like weak beer like give me your shittiest uh-huh. beer. yeah <laughs> no reasonable person would ask for that so you know it's a code word yeah a glass of your finest piss water please <laughs> it's also just funny because most hookah lounges don't serve alcohol yeah mm-hmm. and this is clearly a bar and hookah lounge yeah because they, they they do very much want to get like all the 18 year olds there and there of course this is japan i think you're allowed to drink when you're 18 in japan right yeah i was thinking more like where we live uh is there's a lot of immigrants from the middle east and north africa yeah, yeah. and if you're muslim maybe you don't drink but you do smoke yeah and so a lot of- <laughs> A lot of the hookah lounges that are run by people from that region don't serve alcohol. Yeah, I, I, I never think the, of that. the ones in Glasgow that are run by like Islam guys would serve alcohol because because Islam. Mm. Um, yep. So yeah, it's it's only milk for this it's, time. It's um, only milk, <laughs> and he uses the card as the coaster, which I'm like, no, don't do. You got put it in a case, please, please, don't do no. this. I would do this. 
It is not the most jacked up card in this episode, though. Oh, no, absolutely not. I mean, the thing is, th- the cards in this show kind of have like a weird, I guess, like a uh, logarithmic uh, level of tolerance to damage where you can fling a card and it can stop like the hammer of a pistol and be completely fine. But like once it just kind of inches over that barrier, boom, it's like cracked and burnt and then like it's completely unsalvageable. But there's not really like an in-between. They don't really get scuffed. Mm-hmm. So giant Ushioni is um- totally fine. So, uh, what happens here is that because Yusai is very, very obviously tailed by all the agent smiths, the barman is like, mate, fuck off. Like, yeah. don't come here. You've been tailed. Like, our guy will find you. Go away. Um, so he goes away, and like, the moment he steps outside, a fucking sick motorcycle does a sick stunt, jumps off a roof, grabs him, and like, wheels away. It's with so screen. cool. And I love that the secret agents are following him the same way I play Hitman, which is very poorly. <laughs> these these guys do not know about like the press x to stealth behind a dumpster button i also love that the motorcyclist doesn't even bother like trying to get him on the motorcycle properly no tosses him on like a sack of rice um so this guy is blister in this in the dub anyway blister (laughs) blister the fourth battle toad Uh uh-huh he's he's saiga he's cool he's he's a little little uh scruffy goatee I've got I've written down shitty beard. Sorry, rip to you, but I'm different. Well, he's, you're talking about Blister, not Psycho. They're different. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I like this guy, possibly because his name was Blister, and I was watching the dub. I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't. He does not come across very good. It doesn't. Um, it's not a very trustworthy nickname. Yeah. Um, I actually wasn't positive if it was Blister or Lister, like Listerine. Hmm. He's maybe, really maybe into his, his bike lists to one side because he hasn't maintained it properly. Uh-huh, yeah. I mean, like, I I listened to, like, four of these episodes, and I still don't entirely know whether the cop is drudge or trudge. <laughs> it's it's with a T, trudge. Okay, trudge. Yeah, likewise, the, B- Blister's friend is either called Arrow or Errol, and I don't know which. I don't remember what he... Called his friend. I will come to that when I, we get there in my notes. Uh, it pretty, was Yuji. It was Yuji in right. the subtitles. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was Arrow because I want to say all of the dub names are actual words. Mm. Right. Like his friends are named Tank, Rally, Blitz, and the other guy whose name mm-hmm. I didn't catch. <laughs> in the future, we all have code names. Yeah. Yeah. Except you say. Yeah, <laughs> you can identify the protagonist because they have a name. Yeah, Damn. it's it's no longer the the sort of trademark recognizable wild Yu Gi Oh protagonist here. No, you just recognize him because he has a name. Mm-hmm. So Saiga takes Yusei to like his little safe house, and as Saiga's looking through the computer, um, Yusei's like looking around and looking at the photo of him and Yuji, and he just kind of asks if Saiga was ever a duelist, and he's like, "Yeah, I was a broken duelist, and I was only in exhibition league and." All we really know at this point is that he's a tag duelist and there's like this super torn up, beat up card underneath it. And Saiga clearly very does not want to talk about this right now. I really got a shout out how in in the dub anyway, like there's just like f- about five minutes of hacking jargon that are sort of thrown oh, at us. Oh, yeah. This, this is extreme hacker man energy. It's like we've got the words mainframe, encryption, all, all, the, <laughs> all the ones that we know and love from, from TV. Um, and then just the random computer graphics going on the oh, screen. Oh, yeah. yes. It's, yes. it's like, it really took me back to... Every 90s movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's just like, 
it struck me that while he's doing all this stuff is when you say just kind of like completely stops paying attention and starts looking around the room because he's just like, okay, uh-huh, yeah, mm-hmm, sure, sure. That's the thing. You Every Yu-Gi-Oh! protagonist kind of has that one part where they, they, they space out on a lot where like, you know, the previous GX protagonist, Judai, his whole thing was like, he didn't like when things got too serious and he just wanted to have fun. And you say the only thing he cares about is repairing the bonds of friendship of every single human being on this planet. He could not care about hacking. All he wants to do is drive fast and make friends. Hang on. Is he like, is it bodhisattvas? People who have decided to like dedicate their life to helping other people reach enlightenment. Uh And they make that dedication when they're alive. And like Ideal shonen protagonist. (laughs) You say bodhisattva? Confirmed. I'm I'm, I'm ruminating (laughs) on this one. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right. I might be mixing up the terminology because I'm not Buddhist, but mm. there is some kind of like category of people who decide like I am going to help every human being reach nirvana. Like, I'm pretty sure that's a bodhisattva. Yes, that that, that is a bodhisattva, okay. Nina. And that's you say, but for cards. <laughs> um. So yeah. Um. Blister doesn't want to talk about his partner. Well, yeah, we cut outside and we see that Ushio, the cop from the first few episodes, has followed them to Blister's house. Uh-oh. Um, and then it cuts over to the next morning where Blister is like, here's what you're going to do. It'll be fine. Um, he brings up the, the card and the friend again. And, and Blister kind of once again is like, no, fuck friends. Friendship is bad. Friends mm-hmm. suck shit. Um... And we get kind like of a little bit of his backstory. Um, we see the show's not usually this bad about kind of like drip feeding backstory to the viewer. Cause like we see four different flashbacks of this and every time we get like progressively more and more of what actually happened. Yeah. I think this is part of the reason that I don't care for blister because I, I yeah, it doesn't do much to kind of paint him very sympathetic. I think if they were just doing the flashbacks, or if they were just doing all the internal monologues, either one of those would be acceptable. But the mm-hmm. combination of them you get means both. that like maybe 20% of this episode is the actual events of the episode. Right. I do think they were probably trying through the like slightly more detailed every time flashbacks to kind of set up the bit at the end where it's like, oh, but your recollection of these events is wrong. Like your interpretation uh-huh. of these events you're sort of imposing all of this stuff on it that you have never confirmed. You've never asked your friend how they feel about it. You don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't entirely need no. <laughs> that many flashbacks to accomplish <laughs> that. <Yeah>. But <laughs> They show you every single thing you've already seen before instead of kind of like skipping through it at a faster pace to get to the one part that actually is different. Yeah, right. This um, is because you are supposed to be a child watching these and having forgotten yeah, exactly. what 15 minutes ago. Um, so you need a little I, reminder. Uh-huh. The, and the, credit where it credit where it is due, usually when a show does this kind of like plot point about like the, the broken friendship that needs to be repaired and the misunderstanding, usually the person, uh, you know, the character who's actually on screen is the aggrieved one. Yeah. The one who was betrayed yeah. instead of the one who did the bad thing. So props to them for changing it up a little. Yeah, yeah I, I really liked that. Um, that was literally what I opened my mouth to say and then uh, mm-hmm. read my mind. <laughs> considering um, the way this show, I mean, again, we're only 11 episodes in, but considering the way this show really likes to make every single notable person that you say meets important, I really wouldn't be surprised if Yuji like, shows up 30 episodes later. And it's just yeah, this really I, nice payoff. 
was gonna ask about that, but because because I'm watching the dub and it was like, oh, this person was in hospital for a while in a tragic motorcycling ap- ap- accident. I just immediately assumed that he was dead in the sub. Me too, but he's not. Um, yeah. Well, because they they say that Yuji sent the card back to Saiga. <laughs> Yuji's estate sent me this card. <laughs> <laughs> he left it to me in his will. Yeah. <laughs> Because um, uh, th- the reason why we're saying this is in the flashback, we see that Saiga and Yuji are doing a tag duel. And it's 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 so funny because in this world where everyone duels on motorcycles, how you do a tag duel is that you just you slap someone in the sidecar and you go. It's it's really great. It makes so much sense. I don't know why I didn't think of it before. It makes so much it, sense. Sidecars are extremely dangerous. Just as, a, <laughs> as, as a evidenced by this flashback. As demonstrated. In this show. Yeah. yeah. They make a motorcycle much, much harder to control and to, like, drive safely. But here's the thing I don't understand. We see these flashbacks. They're doing a, what what they have told us is a tag team duel. Uh-huh. And we're told that this card is the Arrow's uh, contribution to this combo that they do. But in the flashbacks, Arrow doesn't do anything. <laughs> and why... Uh-huh. When you have one person driving the motorcycle and one person sitting in the sidecar, why is the guy driving the motorcycle playing all the cards right. and doing all the things? It's... What is the guy? What is the other guy there for except moral support? It's par friendship, baby. I have two proposals. I have two proposals on how to improve this. One, you don't make it a simple circuit race. You make it like almost a rally stage where the sidecar is your navigator. Oh, and, then, and the person on the sidecar has to like get up and like lean to the right side to make sure the the whole contraption doesn't tip up. And exactly yeah, I've seen that. That's cool. Or or B, it's Mario Kart Double Dash, and this person <laughs> on the back, the person, the one person drives and the other person duels and throws bananas. Maybe who can say? I think that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, I think that it'd be awesome. Good. That uh, but I had one other question, actually, about this world. Uh, based on both those flashbacks and also one of the later duels, is the motorcycle actually like relevant and significant, or is it just <laughs> a thing everybody does? Because Lisa, I think you'll find that going fast makes me feel alive. <laughs> right, but like when. Spoiler for later, when one <laughs> duelist crashes their motorcycle into the other duelist, is that cheating or is that part of the duel? In the dub, he says he's cheating. Right. Yeah. That's not clear in the subtitle. No, it's not. I think I... So the reason the, that they're on bikes is the only difference between these speed duels and regular duels where they stand still is that there are these things called speed tokens. And there are certain spells where you need a high speed to use that. Uh, you, you like use your speed as resources to, to cast certain spells. The problem is you see people losing speed when they um, when they're like attacked, but their motorcycle does lose speed for a little bit. But it's not like people get lapped or are on the other side of the track. Like when they duel, they're always matching speed. So even mm-hmm. that, if you think too hard about it, kind of goes out the window as to why <laughs> they would have to be on motorcycles. I think the answer really is because it looks cool. Yeah, but yeah, I regret to inform you that I thought really hard about these motorcycle duels. <laughs> in, I think, honestly, in the lore of the show, like, in the world that has been presented to us, like, so far, th- like, regular dueling exists. There have been regular just standing, looking at each other with dual discs type Yu-Gi-Oh duels in the show. Like, honestly, it's been about 50-50 between motorcycle duels and just standing still duels. The ones that have been motorcycle duels have been on the tier of, like, arena big stadium big mm-hmm. crowd yeah. pull deals like you know the flashy 
tournament duels. And like, so in the world of the show, like it does see also seem purely like a spectacle thing. Oh, you know what? Actually, I think this this could be a complete like overreach of like trying to figure this thinking too hard about a children's anime. But we know, and Tom Nina, you wouldn't know this, but there is um. <laughs> There is this thing called moment, which is like the kind of sort of oh yeah renewable energy that the city uses, and I believe that actually is generated via speed duels. So <laughs> I guess you could probably argue that they use speed duels as a way of like generating energy for the city. But mm. if if that's true, the show certainly doesn't tell you that. Yeah. In another world, this would feel much more like a religious like ritual to uh-huh. to appease the appease the speed gods. I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> you're getting close to what dueling really is. <laughs> yeah, I'm just imagining cuz I did watch the first two episodes, but I have seen uh like dirt bike events with the jumps and stuff yeah. in an arena, but to just go in an oval lap in an arena on a motorcycle, you would be so dizzy because you would lap that thing so fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. It would be awful. And they, they go fast, I, too. Yeah. It makes them feel alive. <laughs> there, was this, um, there was this thing that they would do at carnivals back in, I want to say, the like 30s, where you'd build basically a circular cage, and then you'd have a motorcycle, oh, yeah. often with oh, a yeah. sidecar inside, mm. that could like... And it was like a totally spherical cage. The ring so you of could death, go, yeah. As long as you were going fast enough, you could go on any part of it. They should do sometimes that. They would put Come a, on, Yu-Gi-Oh. Sometimes they would put like a lion in the sidecar. No, God. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Thank you, 1930s. But yeah, I, I assume that the speed-themed dueling decks were developed for Yu-Gi-Oh! the card game first. And then they put together a team to make an anime based on it. And that team looked at this and said, well, we could like integrate the motorcycle riding and the dueling in some really interesting and cool ways um, and really make the two feel like organically linked. But that would cost a lot of money and we don't have it. Um, um, a, a cursory look at the wiki tells me that, no, it's just anime. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. <laughs> they just thought bikes All would right, be cool. then. <laughs> I mean, the bikes are cool. What, what you I see- come into this... What what's most fascinating to me is that there will be these really big pivotal kind of like ace or boss cards that uh, characters will use throughout this show that don't get put in the actual card game until ten years after the show stops airing because they're like oh we finally thought of a way to integrate this with the modern card game so it's like it wow. everything has the possibility to be real but I feel like unless it's like uh, unless it's the very original Yu Gi Oh stuff. It was probably designed anime first and then turned into a card. Okay. Mm. That changes my evaluation of it quite mm. a bit. Yeah. I hope it's a good evaluation. All right. Uh, so uh, you yeah. say leaves to go on his super stealth mission with his, his fake ID and his special passwords and all the, all the jazz that... Um, what's his subname? I don't want to call him Blister anymore. It feels... Saiga has Saiga. given him... Um, he just kind of gets in the building pretty easily, like goes upstairs, goes up the lift, finds the like crate that his bike is in, and as soon as he finds, he's the in crate the Indiana his, Jones warehouse. He's as soon as he finds the Indiana Jones warehouse, he is caught in a bunch of spotlights. Ushio is here. This is when I notice that Ushio is voiced by Dan Green, and it's very distracting for me for the rest of the episode because my brain is going, "But that's Yu Gi Oh from Yu Gi Oh number yeah. one." <laughs> that's that's what's messed up too, because this is the first dude that Yu Gi like nearly kills ever. Yeah. Um, a lot going on here. 
Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, Tom and Nina, here's some more context that may or may not make heighten your enjoyment of this. So this Ushio guy, the cop that's been following Yusei around, he is the very first enemy that they ever fight, fight, quote unquote, in like the original manga from the 90s. Chapter this is the, one. Wow. This is the very first Yu-Gi-Oh antagonist, and he's just around, you know, 30 or so years later. That's good. Okay. And is <laughs> voiced by the original voice of Yu-Gi in the dub. So much going on here. With. Huh. Um, isn't wait? Isn't Yugi like a kid? Uh huh. Yeah, he's in he's in high school. Yeah, he's very he's he's very good uh, at voices. Yeah, I was gonna say Trudge is like a that's a that is a deep voice that he has. Yeah, he does a pretty voices. decent deep voice when he when he when he goes Yami. He's he's good at voices. I don't know what that means, Max. <laughs> uh, it's 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 when it's when uh, he gets taller and duels better. The first guy, not not any of this. <laughs> oh, like a magical girl transformation. Yeah, exactly. Um, gotcha. So as soon as uh, Ushio, voiced by Dan Crane, shows up, Yusei jumps into the crate that has his bike mm-hmm. in it. And, the, like, open, the open crate full of confiscated material. It's, it's very good. Um, there's like a little bit where Ushio is like, no, but you can't activate the bike. The bike is fucking deactivated, you fucking idiot. And then he bursts through. It's great. <laughs> it's because um, he's friends with the bike. That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> he's the power of friendship. Yeah. Like, Nina, please confirm that's how bikes work. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. If you're good enough friends with your bike, nothing else matters. Yeah, yeah. That's so true. Uh, th- they begin the duel, and like it's again, we're not really going to go over beat by beat what happens. The whole thing is like Ushio is kind of ahead of Yusei at every single step. Here, he even has um, the kind of control room inside this building start closing shutters, so Yusei is just basically like trapped up here because he was just going to like dive down the middle of a building and escape totally free. But mm-hmm. not when you. It was so. N- hmm? It was so nostalgic to see the like mid two thousands, two thousand seven, two thousand eight era CGI assisted like animation yeah. for the backgrounds. Yeah, because I and yeah, I was watching this in the living room, and like Chrissy walks in and is like, "Why is it Tron?" And I said, "Oh, Yu Gi Oh is Tron now." <laughs> Which yeah, yeah, it's, it's just, just Tron, Tron now. I mean, because this is this is finally the part where we're starting to see 3D animation show up in the first place. I don't even know if there was anything that would have been like 3D assisted back in GX, or oh, definitely not in Duel Monsters. It's the Shards counter attack of Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> it cost ten billion dollars to animate this giant <laughs> card colony rotating in space. Um, but we, you notice that a lot, especially in kind of wide shots of everyone racing, because. Think like you know when if you think about it for more than two seconds, it makes perfect sense. And like I'm never the kind of person who complains when I see 3D in a show because I understand that a lot of times it's a budgetary issue. So like when I see them take corners, I'm like, oh, you say is clearly a very strange 3D polygon man. Like whatever, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> yeah, I honestly I thought it looked good. I enjoyed a scene. It looks like, yeah, it looks them fine. going past a bunch of cubes. I'm like, oh, those are good cubes. They're well rendered cubes. I love to go past <laughs> cubes. Like I said, very nostalgic. Yeah. yeah. And it's like the um for for something from this era of digipaint, the colors look really good. Mm-hmm. The, the the show just every time I look at it, but and again partially because we were watching the last season of GX, which had a lot of seemingly budget fall off. Every time I look at this, I'm like, wow, that looks crisp, clean, fresh. Something when you mentioned the colors, that's something I actually like completely just popped into my head now. That I could be talking out of my ass here, but whenever they do a speed duel, you always see them play this like speed world card, and it kind of makes the entire world not color negative just kind of like everything is like this really dark shades of purple and blue and then you have kind of like lighter rainbow color colored outlines on everything 
I mm. wonder if they do that so they don't have to fully color in like all of the backgrounds at because when you're on a mm. speed tool, you're going past oh, locations. Yeah. This is like the Super Saiyan hair color of bikes. Oh yeah, it, yeah. like that was my yeah. assumption that it simplifies the backgrounds uh-huh. when they're going fast so that it's easier to animate those dual scenes. Well, and um, if they didn't do that and we watched them race at like top speed through featureless identical hallways for 15 yeah. minutes, 20 minutes, like that would strain credulity in a way that like, oh, it's it's weird Tron graphics just layered right. over everything doesn't. I mean, that that's like the second duel that happens between Yusei and Ushio, though. So it is just one long tube they race down. Yeah. Um, it's cool, yeah, though. The, basically, the gist of the duel, like, you know, Ushio is chasing Yusei White. Yusei keeps not getting through doors and stuff. At the end of the episode, like, there's like, all the doors are closed. Oh, great googly moogly, it's all gone to shit. Um, but then he gets a little call from Saiga. And Saiga is like, no, 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 keep driving. Drive straight at that wall. And Yusei's like, all right, and does it, and that's the cliffhanger at the end of the episode. It's so good. It's like a frame before Yusei just completely like careens into the elevator. Um, which takes us to the middle of the episode. Does anyone have any video games they would like to talk about? This is a segment we like to call. It's not get our game on anymore. What is it? Is it get our cool. game on? That was a GX thing. Did we name it something else for the five Ds? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Hmm. Five Gs. <laughs> Welcome to 5Gs, a segment where we talk about up to five games every week. That's really good. Tom, I hope you understand. That's what it's going to be. That is what it's going to be. For the next, like, two years we talk about 5Ds. Indelible mark Uh left on the show. Sorry, I like... I'll be waiting for my check. I froze up there because all I could think about was Queens of Games, and I was like, no, wait, it hasn't been Queens of Games since... Yu-Gi-Oh, since, Yu-Gi-Oh. Since like three years ago. Yeah, since the King of Games was here. But now it's 5Gs. Um, 5Gs, so good. I have not been playing any games, so I will pass my turn. I set, I set my card face on and pass my yeah. turn to, to someone else. Tom and Nina, being our guests, <laughs> do either of you have any games you wanna, any you've been Gs? playing that you want to just like get out of We This is a segment that we devised to kind of get all of this out of our system so we wouldn't pollute the regular episode with like talks of video games. Well, there's no way that this would come up in our discussion of Yu-Gi-Oh! But my slightly embarrassing recent gaming is that the Switch sports game added golf. Oh, nice. So I've been trying to get a handle on the Switch sports golf. The putting is so difficult. Oh, I remember back on the Wii, like playing Wii sports, I was like, oh, I'm just not going to play golf ever because I I can't do this. (laughs) (laughs) I feel about golf about the same way I feel about card games. But what if they were a hundred different types of balls to collect and, and knock into the holes? What if they were on motorcycles? Ooh. That would be better polo. I feel like that exists. You can definitely play like car soccer in Forza. So it's almost there. <laughs> um, Max, video game? Oh, uh, Tom, did you want to go? No, uh, come back to me. Cool. I've been playing a game. I don't remember if I talked about this on the pod yet. It's called Wild Hearts. Um, it is a Monster Hunter-like, uh, developed by EA. It's not Capcom. It's not like the OGs doing it. Uh, it's very Japanese-inspired. Uh, all the monsters are called Kimono. They all have Japanese names, but they're, it's like, there's Rage Tail, which is this kind of large squirrel that has, like, a big nut on its tail and it smacks you with, and it has some Japanese name, and there's 
uh, Sap Scourge, which is kind of like a big tree dog. And um, Wild Tusk, I think, which is just this gargantuan boar that has six eyes. Uh, it's just this very fun Monster Hunter style game where you can explore a world and collect basically Koroks from Breath of the Wild who kind of fight with you and swing a very large hammer into a very large squirrel. And the result is very satisfying because you can upheave the earth with your wild strikes. Uh, I've been playing the demo on Xbox because you get like a 10 hours kind of gameplay with it. Mm. And it's definitely scratching like the kind of Monster Hunter itch that I usually get now that uh, Monster Hunter Rise is like about to like fully kind of wrap up its its uh, extra content. So this is very much like the next kind of thing I'm going to be playing when I guess when it goes on sale and well, it's an EA game. So about two weeks, probably. Um, <laughs> and, and then I'll be able to enjoy uh, much more of my time waving a giant hammer around wearing like d- d- different kind of feudal Japanese outfits that they probably didn't do that much research on as to why someone would wear this, but more like, wow, cool samurai armor. Check this out. Swing a hammer. Oh, like, like a vampire times kind of deal. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, and that's what I got. Uh, how about you, Tom? All right. I wanted to go last because I'm actually going to bring us right back to five D's on this one. Whoa. Um, I have finally gotten around to playing the final fantasy seven remake. Oh, um, hell yes. Which I haven't finished yet. Um, but I see Final Fantasy and especially Final Fantasy VII everywhere in this show. Oh, oh my like gosh. The, Absolutely. Yeah. Now that you're saying this, it's hitting me. If this very much is like... <laughs> it's the pizza slice. It's, yeah, we're under the rotting pizza. More like mm-hmm. we're, we're across mm-hmm. the bay from the rotting pizza. Mm. But the first time this stood out to me I was, you know, you had us watch the first couple of episodes for necessary context. And I remember thinking that, like, the show itself has a very consistent visual design, a kind of, like, card punk dystopia. Mm -hmm. And then the monsters that are being summoned don't. They don't really fit. uh, Like, a couple of them do, but mostly they don't actually fit. Yeah. They're just weird beasts. Aesthetic of the rest of the show. Silly little guys. Nor do they fit with each other, for the most part. Mm -hmm. Like, there's clearly some themes, but a lot of them are just, like, weird guys. So um, related to that, one of the things that I found funniest watching this show is that the background characters are also normie. Yes. Like, mm. just completely normie. And then random important <laughs> character with wild hair and really interesting outfits <laughs> next to, like, regular businessmen yeah. and women in day dresses. Everybody had, like, the... um all the characters that we actually like look at have these like face implants for tracking purposes yeah. to make them look all cool and futuristic. Uh, and they've got these sick outfits, but yeah, mostly it's just the, like the eternal present mm-hmm. for, uh, for this wealthy city. But anyway, that, that like feeling of aesthetic incoherence is something that, especially around like final fantasy six, final fantasy seven, final fantasy eight, they were really going hard on. Yes. Like, um, <laughs> You know, you because you had all these legacy elements from older Final Fantasy projects, the Moogles, the Chocobos, um, that just didn't quite fit with the vibe they were going for in the, those um, those later games. Mm-hmm. It, it very much. I there's definitely a term for the way those kinds of aesthetics clash. Because yeah, you really didn't see that. Like you'd get some of that here and there with like, uh, you know, Final Fantasy IV. There's some like 
sort of high tech parts later on and there's like a weird probably there's always like some high tech tower in like every single game but yeah i feel like you didn't really start to see that mix of like magical and like it's like not quite diesel punk i'd say but like mm-hmm. it, it's 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 very it's grimy yet magical i think is a good way to kind of describe a lot of it yeah and there's like a there's sort of the dark the dark dystopian elements and then a lot of like brightly colored whimsy mm. yeah this because uh, this is kind of sort of unique to 5Ds, because previously the Yu-Gi-Oh! like, antagonist of the week shtick would be like, oh, here's the the bug guy, and all his cards are bugs, and, like, they all had a very, like, you know, a more tight theme, but 5Ds feels very different in that it feels, everyone's deck feels like a deck that could actually exist, and because Yu-Gi-Oh! is the way it is, having been built on top of Yu-Gi-Oh! forever and ever, the decks that actually exist are kind of just like a train wreck of mismatched, mismatched stuff that has come before it, which right. feels the same of, as what you just described from from Final Fantasy. What if they all were just playing triple triad yeah. from Final Fantasy VIII on bikes instead? <laughs> well, I mean, the bikes, the bikes also like. There's that segment in the original Final Fantasy that everybody remembers, where you like ride around on your bike and do a little arcade like hacking, slashing, uh-huh. sword fighting from the back of a motorcycle thing. And it does feel like the 5D's creators saw that and were like, oh, that <laughs> yeah. is amazing. And they were that, right. That but card They games. were right. They weren't wrong. Yeah. And then it even comes through in some of the little things, like the two, um, like the the suits who are tracking, you say, mm-hmm. uh, are basically just turks. Yeah, right. From, from Final Fantasy VII down to the one with the hair and the bald one. Yeah, you, you know, it is it is Reno and... Oh shit! I forget the other guy's name. Rude. Rude. That's right. I, I'm like Sung is there, but Sung is just like hanging out elsewhere all the time. No, I meant it was rude for you to forget. <laughs> well, you know. Stupid. Confirmed is what I have to say. Um, That's so true. Also, what I have to say are the names of our ten dollar patrons who are this week: Solid Snack, Danielle Kalaskas, Jad Stops, Drakitha Terada, Nero Wyvern, Pagliacci, Protege, Sabrina Steele, Sarvis, Eruvira, and Drevian. That's so many ten dollar patrons. I love to see them. Thank, Thank you for you. giving us money. Y'all are gonna get some cool stuff next year. I recognize some of those names. Hi guys. Hey. <laughs> We're further homogenizing what podcast people <laughs> listen to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Extra special thanks to anybody who's double dipping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like it's like you said on Twitter. It's a crossover episode. It is a cr- it is a crossover episode. Mm. Um, and the next episode in the dub is called the Take Bart. The Take Bart. I did it again. You did. It, that's what it is now. <laughs> the Take Bart. Take Bart. <laughs> Part two. Uh, this is Dead Chase. Weave the Bonds. Turbo Warrior. I got really worried when I first heard this because I heard I like I saw warrior and a prefix and I knew it was going to be one of Yusei's cool synchros. I thought it was going to be this hor- the the horrific beast like lizard creature he summons when he fights Ushio in the tunnel, and I was going to be very unhappy if that was the case. But it's not. The, the, the guy we see is my best friend. <laughs> I'm uh, gonna be real. I have no memory of any monsters that get summoned during uh, this deal, so I'm gonna just kind of nod at I'm this. I'm gonna post a photo again when we get to it because I want all of us to just like look at it and remember how cool it cool, is. Cool, 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 uh, cool. I will definitely remember. In the meantime, I remember the 
<laughs> the uh, one that I remember the most strongly is the hedgehog with bolts instead of yes. spines. Well, I did like I did, that one. Go, going back real quick to what you said about Final Fantasy, Tom, is like, I could see a bolt hedgehog, like, that's definitely just an enemy you fight in, like, the little wasteland next to Seventh Heaven. Like, oh, yeah. Every single monster that gets summoned in this game could have shown up in Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, so, as the episode starts, Ushio sees you say heading face first into the elevator and he's like oh are you just gonna surrender this way but the elevator explodes and you say and ushio's like are falling down the elevator shaft and still dueling while they're falling down the elevator shaft and this is another video game ass uh, set piece i fucking (laughs) love Yu-Gi-Oh because only in Yu-Gi-Oh could you have two bikes falling down the length and height of an entire building and because they are still dueling, you do not feel any kind of risk of, like, I don't know, death by falling. Because, like, it's the it's the laws of dueling that, like, when a duel is happening, the duel is the highest stakes. And, right. like, falling, you just know they're going to be fine. You are bottom. effectively invulnerable if you have a card in your hand. <laughs> exactly. That's how Yu-Gi-Oh works. I- I couldn't get over how stunned I was that a kid's show was like, oh, are you just going to kill yourself? Right, yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh, I mean, <laughs> like, what? Yu-Gi-Oh's roots are a lot darker than what you'd expect. Like, people very much do die in, in the original, like, in the original manga. And that's stuff they didn't really adapt overseas. Because, again, the first season of Yu-Gi-Oh is so much darker than so much of what comes later. But then again, there's stuff in, like, Yu-Gi-Oh now, like, GX and 5Ds that, like, we were all very surprised that four kids kind of let through. Yeah, they've definitely gotten lighter on the censorship stuff. Um, but no hookah. But yeah, no no smoking. Um, Sarah, you said that they fell about the length of a skyscraper, but I just want to point out that they fell for two minutes and five seconds. Uh-huh. Give uh, us the math, Tom. <laughs> you don't see the very big fan blowing underneath them. Assuming... Like giving them giving them every benefit, like assuming the most generous drag coefficients and like weight of the motorcycles and all of that, at a minimum, they would have fallen about five kilometers <laughs> during the course of that two minutes. Well, see, what what we didn't explain to you all before you watch the show is that uh-huh. uh, they, 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 they've invented quantum buildings. Uh-huh. So they really only fell like three stories. Sure, sure, sure. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, time it, it, slows down when you're dueling, obviously. Yeah, it, it, time it, does it, slow down when you're dueling. All of our elevator shafts in the future are TARDISes. I thought time flew when you were dueling. Because it's so fun. It is You so lose fun. yourself in the it's heart so of the cards. <laughs> all right. So they, they eventually get out of the elevator shaft. And like they, they both come out of different elevator shafts, which doesn't really make sense. I like, Wait, what? I... I thought it was the same one, but the Saiga gets the, clo- the doors to close behind Yusei. To slow down the cop briefly. I thought, I thought that, but like, I'm pretty sure he comes out on like a higher ledge than you say does somehow. Oh, weird. Okay, <laughs> no, I mean Again, maybe. Again, far I... be it for me to analyze a children's show. It's cool, is what it it is. <laughs> I was looking at my somehow. notes during that time, so I didn't. Um, yeah. It's... Somehow they both get out of the elevator shaft. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and. This is when Saiga rolls in and just start, he just starts kicking Ushio. He like kicks Ushio in the face to get him to back off from Yusei. Um, and this is when he comes and he's like, oh my gosh, Yusei, you were so right about friendship the whole time. I, I, I miss my friend who died, but actually didn't. Yeah, like 
because he kind of comes in and in the dub anyway he's like oh, I've, I've come to like rescue you but like don't get it twisted this isn't because I, I want to be your friend or anything I don't have any friends I'm a terrible person blah 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 and you say kind of looks at him and like in the kind of cadence of a therapist who just heard their patient say that goes tell me more about Arrow <laughs> <laughs> and we get another flashback mm-hmm. the real one yeah I mean the the vibe I got across these two episodes with Saiga was very much like an adult who has given up on a lot of their dreams and principles because life kind of ground them down and so they want these like young people around them to go through the same thing because then that proves they weren't just like weak in giving right. up their principles that that's what life does to everyone mm-hmm. uh, but then instead the kid proves to them that redemption is still possible wow yeah. Um, and what that has to do with dueling, I have no idea. Because dueling is fueled by friendship. That's right. That's yeah. right. Right, 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 right. The, yeah. the, the, f- the motorcycle couldn't go without friendship. Exactly. Yeah. That, that Friendship is the keys to the ignition of a happy <laughs> life. <laughs> but sometimes friends do some stupid things. Oh, sometimes friends want to go to the big leagues by themselves. Sometimes friends don't really try and help when you're careening towards a fuel tower, but you're fine. So, sometimes friends uh, throw themselves into a fire to rescue a single Yu-Gi-Oh yeah, card. That's the most Yu-Gi-Oh thing that happens in these episodes. <laughs> uh, that's definitely happened before in Yu-Gi-Oh, though. I mean, Joey He's... dove into like a straight-up entire burning warehouse to help Yu-Gi save the Millennium Puzzle. Yeah, but that wasn't it. Was sass right off. Um... <laughs> so, w- w- what's the full se- chain of events here, Sarah? I'm looking at my like some like like a lot of my notes just say more dealing. Um That's but right. the kind of the general gist of it is that like you say is saying stuff about friendship. Um and Blister slash Saiga is like, no, haha, oh my god, you say like you're so cool. You're so cool like my friend Arrow, <laughs> but like I, I I still hate friendship, friendship is bad. Um, you know, and he's he's all being like a, a Debbie Diner, he's like, No, you say like you're gonna lose and you say eventually kind of just like looks him directly in the eyes and is like no blister i'm going to win because i have your friendship and blister just like looks at him like he's the fucking son um that's the, that's the show that's thesis it's friendship uh, yeah like e- eventually saiga slash blister is convinced of the power of friendship and because of this you say can do a load of dueling at once and win um that's kind of all i've got for the rest of the duel yeah really <laughs> That's pretty I mean, much what happens. That, that's mostly what happens. Like, there's there's more complex dueling. Um, at, like at some point, uh, there's a funny minute moment where an Ushio like takes control of like this heal wave generator. Oh, and he goes, oh. "Welcome, heal wave, oh. Chan." Okay, it's very cute. okay. I have the most important line in the dub. To I also have this line written down. <laughs> Tom, please read us the line. No, you... <laughs> okay, we'll see if it was the same line or not. Um, at some point, because of the healing wave generator, Yusei says the line, And next, I summon up healing wave generator to help generate a little more D for to- myself. A little more D for myself. <laughs> Referring to his defense. Great. Um, Great. Thank you, for kids. Wow. This will raise my drag coefficient. <laughs> thank you, for kids. I would... <laughs> I want just a little more D. Just a little more D. I would... Li- <laughs> <laughs> I just need to point out that at one point in this duel, I'm pretty sure Trudge slash Ushio says, 
no matter how fast you go, you can't outrun these cards. Yeah, he does say that. <laughs> Which is the one thing you can't ever say in this show. That undermines the whole premise of the show. Why are they going fast if they can't outrun the cards? Because it makes them feel it alive. makes them feel alive. <laughs> uh, and eventually you say does some cool synchro stuff, doesn't matter. But he does summon Turbo Warrior, and this is the coolest guy I've ever seen. He's like, uh, he's like if you turned like a, a 20s hot rod into a, a, a sort of gajinka, complete with like a straight up mm. aluminum pompadour. It's he really do, cool. He does have the pompadour. That is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And like he has this, a very Digimon-esque like super bony like wrapped limbs underneath everything for some reason. Again, because it looks cool. Yeah. And and Beagle Claws and you know you, you say eventually wins. Uh, Turbo Warrior is my best friend. And like <laughs> as as he wins, uh, Ushio's because what happens whenever anyone loses a speed duel, their bike stops and overheats, and like Saiga gets tangled up with Ushio, mm-hmm. and this happens, and like Yusei has to escape the building as the shutter is closing, and Saiga's like, "Go on ahead, Yusei, you can do it." So Yusei kind of yeah. has to like abandon his new friend. So sad. The kind of like emotional climax of fucking Saiga's, you know, very detailed arc is just that, you know, he finally realizes that, oh, friendship is good and therefore sort of decides to kind of sacrifice himself for Yusei so that Yusei can get away. Um, good for him. I hope we never see him again, but I'm not optimistic about it. <laughs> and it, calling it use, calling it what Yusei does getting away is a little generous when he does ride through about 500 cops who all take turns tasering him as he drives past. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but importantly, as he is riding through the 1,000 security guards, we cut over to a little green-haired girl who gets a little new type flash. Um, <laughs> I'm Again, I'm assuming this is one of our other Ds. This has to be. Th- this is get. one of the Ds, because this person shows up in the intro. Yeah, they're in the OP. Um, they have a little twin sibling. Um, they seem to, again, have some kind of new type connection with Yusei. It's Quest Pariah. It is, it's literally Quest Pariah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, she runs out her the door of her house just in time to see Yusei just like crash in front of it. And presumably we will pick up there next time with whatever follows. Alternative identity Baby for Murasami. Okay. Alright. Hmm. Now we're getting somewhere. Are are new type flash psychic connections to people a thing in Yu-Gi-Oh! or would that be new? Um, I uh, never noticed it. Yeah, it's not like it's 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 more of like um because because Yugi obviously he's he's possessed by a spirit of an ancient pharaoh and Judai is possessed by the spirit of like some fucked up card that took up a bunch of solar radiation. So it's <laughs> it's more of a theme of like this weird like symbiosis with a strange kind of um, a, a, a pseudo malevolent force that you're hanging out with. But okay. like I don't think this because even whenever. Judai had like people that he had connections with. It was never like on that like new type style level that this really looks like it is. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, she reacts was, to his presence. It, I think it's 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 the signer thing. They have glowing tattoos. It that's it doesn't matter what yeah. it is, but I'm pretty sure that's why. I, I I'm not I'm not going to explain what signers is. It's, yeah, don't don't worry about it. <laughs> we're, we're twelve episodes in. There's already a, too much lore to have to explain. I know, right? I assumed that all of the face tats 
people were criminals. Yes. Because okay, because that's the context for face tattoos in Japan yeah. is that that was a thing they did to criminals. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's like a built in like it, it it allows the security to track you basically. Right. I did like. Saiga's, oh, I just have this anti-tracking flashlight. I just aim this. <laughs> yeah, it's a black yeah. light. It's all it is. That's the episode, though. That is pretty much episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any more funny four kids quotes to, to read you guys. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. We have a lot of questions, though, which is what we do at this part of the show. You can go to Twitter at Pod of Greed Cat. Nope, podcast. Yeah, no, I had it right. Damn it. Pod of Greed Cast on Twitter. Uh, we make tweets about... Well done, Max. I did, I did, I did it first try, so good. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We make questions post. There's also our Millennium Bag channel on Discord where you can send in questions in response to what we post. Uh, looking on Twitter, we have a couple. Uh, M. Healy at M. Healy asks, As a kid, did you ever push all the elevator buttons? It's the worst, but also so many shiny buttons. Mm. I did once live on the 12th floor of a building and like maybe once, maybe once. Mm-hmm. I I think, yeah, I think, like, everyone thinks it's a fun thing until you actually, like, have to ride an elevator up 20 floors and you realize, oh, this is actually, like, this is a criminal act. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, like, you do it just before you leave the lift, right? That's a criminal act. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't affect me. That's, almost, that's, like, more, that's like, more malicious. Yeah, no, I mean... I feel like as a young kid, maybe once I pushed a whole bunch of buttons, like the moment I got in the elevator uh-huh. and then got told off and also realized, oh, no, now I'm stuck in the elevator <laughs> yeah. extra long. This is boring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The result of pressing them all is that you have achieved boredom. I've always appreciated the joy of pressing a good button, but I don't think I ever did that kind of like spree. Yeah. Certainly never as a prank. I was a good boy. I believe this. I believe it. Uh, Solid Snack at Solid Snack asks, since we know Jack has the wings of the dragon, what dragon part would you want as a tattoo on your body? I didn't realize that he had the wings of the dragon. Fuck. It's all, it's not, that makes sense, actually. Um, What's the coolest dragon? Part? I mean, I do like a claw. A good talon. Yeah. Hmm. But where? I feel like putting it on your arm is a little on the nose. You could, I mean, you could wear, but you could wear it like around your wrist, like a bracelet, like a cool, like a dragon, Whoa. like grabbing you. Be cool, like a lucky rabbit's foot. <laughs> I want, I want, I want like the horns of a dragon, but like the more kind of like eastern, almost antler-like horns. Cool. Those are cool looking. I don't know where I'd put it, but actually, just having tattooed somewhere like a patch of dragon scales could look really cool. Ooh. There's this. Um, I, I don't know if they're in vogue right now, but at one point it was really cool. I don't <laughs> know if it was ever really cool, but a lot of people were getting tattoos that looked like the skin had been like stripped back to reveal something. Oh like, yeah, you like a Terminator with, skeleton. Like, yeah, like <laughs> robot bits or bioorganic bits, like that, but with dragon scales. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. Yeah. I'd get a tattoo of that, but it would look like there's like a little minion on the inside controlling me like that one guy in Men in Black. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> because on there your is. forehead? <laughs> yeah. No, like on my clavicle area. Yeah, you put it on your tummy so the minion can be like piloting you like piloting you like a condom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are pilots of mobile suits but merely minions? The mobile suits are the real humans. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, any more Twitter questions? Uh, no, that's what we got. 
Cool. So in the Millennium Bag, we have our first question here from Shadow's Handbag. It was brought up that the titular five Ds are five dragons. What do you think the five dragons are like? Uh, so I don't know how much you've gleaned from the intro, Tamania. There's a cool, there's a there's a, a, a sort of like white and blue dragon that looks kind of ratty and has weird tattered wings. And there's like a very evil like hell Satan dragon. Okay. So what are the other colors? There's... Like blue mana, red mana. Well, I was gonna say, yeah. If, if Stardust is white, if Stardust is white, and and Red Demon's Dragon is black, then we still need red, blue, and green. Yeah, it it does have like you know RGB. The rest of the the colors get yeah. Skeptor. Rest in peace. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I mean, if there's if Next. there's five, wouldn't it? <laughs> if there's five, wouldn't it just be the Chinese elements like metal, metal water, wood, okay. fire? So, so it, I guess. Stardust is wind, then probably. Yeah, and then the, the black would black one be like metal. I would say that's so, fire, because like we Yu-Gi-Oh very much has like cyber dragons. Yeah, so there would be a metal dragon and a wood dragon. And I, I I would like a plant dragon. I feel like plantifying creatures is something that you don't see as I much. Am, like I also think a plant dragon would be like thematically. I, I shouldn't even say thematically appropriate for this yeah. show. Like that's not a consideration, right? But it would be. It would be thematically appropriate for this show for there to be like a plant environmental dragon representing an antithesis to this like weird sci- sci-fi cyberpunk city they've built. There's mm-hmm. also the again the little quest girl that just got introduced has green hair, so I will assume that her dragon is going to be green. Yeah, so she, she gets the plant. Blue. She gets the plant dragon. And then yeah, someone yeah. someone gets her dragon, dragon is just this quest girl's dragon is just going to be the Alpha Azieru from Shars Counterattack, yeah. but wearing a fake mustache. <laughs> it's covered. It's covered in a trillion ghillie suits. God. Um, um, and then our, like I, Earth Dragon is gonna be a big oh, yeah. worm. That would be cool, like a magma worm from Elden Ring. No, I mean like a Earth. Worm. Oh oh. <laughs> We'd still love them if they were a worm. Thank you. That was I was about to get there. <laughs> <laughs> Our next question is from Use a Cab Fooder. Would you consider the power of friendship an eco-friendly energy source? Yeah, I think that's the point of this show. But also, friendship makes brain go good. Yeah, and also that was that's the plot energy. of Monsters Inc. So I'm pretty sure at some point in this episode, somebody says that friendship doesn't pay the bills. So I don't know how effective it's going to be. Uh, I feel like I mean. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if 5Ds ends up with a competitive friendship league. <laughs> Look, if if friendship cannot be profitably exploited in order to maximize shareholder value, mm. I just don't see the point. <laughs> Our next question is from Keither Teradine. Ushio is starting to give off Inspector Javert vibes with his obsession of chasing Yusei Dine. So if 5Ds was a musical, what musical numbers would it have? And how would Russell Crowe, playing Ushio, bungle them? That's good. This is just the joke I was making like two weeks ago. <laughs> I do like to consider Yushio played by Russell Crowe. Uh, put Russell Crowe <laughs> in Yu-Gi-Oh. Yugi Crowe. Yugi Okay, okay. Um, let me think about musicals for a second. I've seen, I think, three musicals in my life. And, I and know, all of them are Sound of Music. Uh, well, I was in Sound of Music. Ah, what did you <laughs> I say? I saw... Uh, well, I was just in like the kind of choir. I mean, Edel- Edelweiss is a song that fucks severely. We okay, so we're going to put that, that in Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think what kind of like Alexander Hamilton type, like, oh no, Jack would definitely sing a Hamilton type song where he just like says facts about himself and is like generally <laughs> a lot. Yeah. yeah. 
In Disney movies, which are frequently musicals, the villain always gets a song to themselves, at least one. <laughs> and I feel like it would have a similar tone to like Disney villain song. I want to have very yeah. dark and ominous. I want to have Rex Godwin sing Hellfire. I know that they're never actually going to do this, but having just watched this tiny snippet, uh, it looks like Ushio's hatred of Yusei is driving him to abandon the like the rules of the card game. Mm-hmm. And I want to see an arc where this guy goes increasingly, uh, he gets darker and darker. He stops caring about the card game. He stops caring about speed dueling and he just wants to get Yusei. And he just like ruins his life. At, at some point, he's got to pull out a gun in the middle of one of these card games. That's already kind of happened. So there was a character last season whose dual disc was just a gun that could fire cards. Ah, uh, right. I I feel like this is a gun that fires bullets. Yeah. Oh, we don't <laughs> we don't we don't like those Yu-Gi-Oh. in Yu-Gi-Oh. we don't like those in Yu Gi Oh. <laughs> it just it's it feels like the natural evolution of that character, and he should have a song about it. Oh, he should have a song about it. <laughs> I I am throwing away my shot. But at card games, <laughs> in exchange for in exchange for in a, in a, a shot from a bullet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, next question from Hornmeister is: What is your least favorite escort mission from a video game? I am going to pass on oh, this one gosh. because I am not well versed in video games. I mean, like all of them. <laughs> um, I can't remember any specific ones. I just know I've managed to scrape through a couple, and it was always awful. <laughs> like I just think I've been. I feel like escort missions are a thing that like hasn't been part of games for so so long that like I it's hard to think of them because you don't see them anymore. I will say the one that stucks with me the most is from Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga on Game Boy Advance. Uh, there's one part where you have to like escort Peach through a desert, and it's on the Game Boy Advance, so screen size is very very small. So unless you kind of like scout the entire route out ahead and know where the enemy spawns are, like she will get attacked by enemies like 10 times and you're stuck in this desert for like what feels like hours because you can't see anything because you're on a tiny Game Boy Advance screen and that's not very fun. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. if I remember if I remember correctly, there are a few escort missions in FF14 <clears throat> that I had to play through when I was still playing that regularly. Um, and they weren't as bad as a bunch of the older ones. There was, it was a little friendlier, mm. uh, but still not much fun. Mm. Tom, anything come to mind? You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna flip it and reverse it, and I'm gonna talk about an escort mission that I really Ooh. excellent. Um, this is I, this, this is rare, right? But um, uh, I, I played through Cyberpunk 2077 recently, mm-hmm. and very late in that game, like after you've done a quest line that you can only do after you've done a different quest line um, that you can only do pretty late in the game, there is an optional mission where you get contacted by a musician who is concerned that she is being stalked. Hmm. Um, and she wants you to basically like hang out with her for the day, shadow her as she goes about her errands and watch the crowd around her to like, see if you can identify her stalker. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a, there's like basically no handholding. You can like, there's never any point where you like use your super senses to identify the person who is definitely the stalker. There's like a bunch of bit different people who seem kind of suspicious. And so you're always like keeping an eye on her and following her at a distance because you can't get too close because you don't want to tip anybody off. But then you spot somebody who looks suspicious. So you have to go over and confront them and then you have to run back to her. 
And it all feels very like organic and real and works really well. Hmm. That actually sounds pretty good. I like when games are fun. (laughs) Our next question is from Machina on Discord, who asks, rather than the main cast of the original Yu-Gi-Oh, where are all the duelists that Jonochi and Yugi beat during Duelist Kingdom? Who ended up in Satellite and who ended up in Neo Domino? Um, Sarah, let's run through this. Bandit Keith, he's definitely dead. Yeah, Bandit Keith. I mean, he's died well before this series. Um, uh, I think Bo- G- Bo- Bones or Ghost, I think literally actually canonically is yeah, dead. No, he's dead. Died in his episodes. Um, uh, Rex and Weevil. Yami killed them. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, my Valentine's definitely, like, fine. She's yeah, chilling in, in, my, in my is, Domino. like, again, living it up. Yeah. MILF style. That's right. Um... Yeah, it's like 30 years later. She's a MILF now. Uh, Mako Tsunami is like... I think uh, he found he, he found the cruise ship where all the dead parents yeah, are. Yeah, he's, he's at sea. He's at sea. Wow. That's probably everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> it boggles my mind that 5Ds is actually like in canon with all the rest of these shows. It's the kind of thing that you would expect to just be off on its own. It's, yeah. I think it's the last one that's in canon with the other shows. I did very much assume that it was going to be its own thing, and then Ushio shows up and proves us all wrong. Yeah, a, char- a character that American audiences wouldn't even have known about because the original Yu-Gi-Oh! 99 anime never made it over here. Yeah. Um, so it's, instead of Cyberpunk 99, it's Yu-Gi-Oh! 99. Um, that's what this show is. Um, right. Next question from Wit and Training Drill Hair Ornament on the Discord. How would someone who is being followed by a rock band at all times playing Hyperdrive stealthily tail someone i feel like if you're on a bike just kind of revving constantly being an asshole people are going to actively like try and stay away from you i, I just say if you go fast enough if it, it, it i think it just works you go so fast that you make it to their destination before they do you're the best uh. you're, you're the most efficient like <laughs> tracker on earth we got it we got it <laughs> i feel like this is a reverse psychology kind of thing like if you're blaring music like that, if you're doing everything possible to call attention to yourself, you can't possibly be tailing anyone, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. Cracked it. Like, uh, no. Next question from some person. What is your favorite representation of an interpersonal bond in fiction? A ribbon? Chains? Etc. I mean, there's a reason that like the whole red string of fate thing is still pretty prevalent in media, right? It's a good one. Mm. See, I was going to say the soup. Ah, soup like from first gundam when lala yeah. dissolves yeah and soup. The, soup. <laughs> the kind of new type the, the the new type soup consciousness that they all kind of psychedelia linked between i mean i think mine oh good i i was gonna say um pokemon of all things has a really interesting way of this where in diamond and pearl you have to craft the red chain uh, to, to summon one of the legendaries and in Legends Arceus they kind of flip that around and that the chain they summon the legendary and the chain gets broken immediately so they like reforge it into a pokeball that can capture it so like they ah. turn the red string of fate into the red the, pokeball, the pokeball of fate, fate. uh huh that's pretty good I read a book ages and ages ago like in middle school or maybe high school where it was set in China, and two women would write notes to each other on a folding fan Ooh. that they would exchange back and forth, which, of course, at the time I thought was just so picturesque and lovely. <laughs> mm. And you were right. 
and it'll keep you cool on a hot day. <laughs> and very reminiscent of the uh, contemporary, like sometimes uh, young people will share a diary or like share a notebook and take turns writing in it. So you get to see like what your friend's secret thoughts are and stuff. Ooh. I didn't know this was a thing. Oh my god. Yeah. I feel like it might crop up in some anime. I don't remember. I think it does. Oh. I believe it. Hmm. Tom, what were you going to say? Uh, I think mine is probably the scar that Shar Aznable has after his sword fight mm, with Amuro at the end of Scar Aznable. Scar Aznable. Not just because he's always wearing that like reminder of his clash with Amuro, but the fact that we never, ever, ever see Amuro's matching scar on his shoulder. Ooh. Whoa. Ooh. Like, scar... Uh, Shar is permanently <laughs> marked by this encounter, and Amuro is just like, whatever. Shar cannot move on. <laughs> Very much no. N- last question from Wooden Training Drill Hair Ornament. Favorite instance of vehicles in buildings, and why is it Olivia Armstrong riding a tank up an elevator? That's pretty good. We watched yeah. that Full Metal Alchemist episode uh, a couple weeks ago. See, I'm. <laughs> nah, absolutely the chase scene in Blues Brothers through the mall. Ah. Uh, Oh, oh, that's a great one. No, I'm just thinking about Paul Blart Mall Cop. <laughs> uh, oh, you know what? You know what one of the best ones is? Uh, fucking Fast uh, Fast and Furious 6 when yeah. they drive the car out of a building into another building, out of that building into a third building. I, because I wasn't <laughs> on that Patreon episode, so I didn't see the whole movie, but I saw that scene and it changed me forever. It's the most important part of almost any movie, I'd say. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Putting a vehicle the, in a building. The climax of Metal Skin Panic Maddox 01 features a busted up mech suit and a weird sci-fi super tank having a battle on the like 40th floor of a skyscraper. That's really, really cool. It's amazing. <laughs> it sounds really cool. Because <laughs> my one was going to be like in, in Eva when the robots are inside the buildings and they have to take yeah, a big lift Yeah, when they go up. inside the, the geo front or whatever. So like... I just think, fuck robots in space. Put them in a skyscraper. It's just more interesting when you're doing something in a place that you shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah. It's a subversion of expectations. So many more things to break. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you know, fucking like trials biking, where it's like, you've got a bike and you're riding it over like loads and loads of rocks. What if Mm -hmm. instead of rocks, it was like inside a castle or inside a skyscraper or inside like like cubicles yeah in an office that would be so cool i mean this episode basically took place in an office building imagine if instead of rolling through featureless corridors those motorcycles had been like busting through cubicles oh that'd be so cool 5ds dodging around copy machines that's kind of what (laughs) the game control is just about (laughs) 5ds but where it has a budget to do that um, <laughs> our next uh, little statement is from Zoldsnack, who comments that you say ordering milk at the bar is a reference to his VA, who did that in a music video. Ah. I mm. have to assume that this is the Japanese VA, because I don't know why Fork hit, like, they wouldn't... And he did that in the... Played by so. Yu- Yuya Miyashita. Ah, do you want to give us a quick Behind Toon World? Beyond Toon World? Uh, he debuted as a member of the boy band Run and Gun. Ah, that makes sense. That makes sense. About, the, about this uh, video. Wow. Wouldn't you believe it, Sarah? Uh-huh. I think the only thing this guy has ever done outside of his music career is just voice Yusei. <laughs> wow. That's kind of wild. That's quite fun. That's quite fun. Yeah, straight up, 
it is only Yusei. Oh my god. At least for like anime and games. Huh. Oh. Was was he a big star when he got cast as Yusei, or was this like a failed attempt to branch out after his uh, boy band career came no, to an end? No, because he in 2001 he debuted as a member of the boy band Run and Gun. In 2012 he became the drummer of the band Four Strike. Five D started in like 2008, so he'd been doing it for quite a while. And it's I mean it's not like he does a bad job as Yusei. No, he does a fine job. Like, oh, he he does a lot more th- like theater, like stage performance than he oh, does anime. Uh, he was in uh, Perso- Persona Five: The Stage as one of the oh. uh, kind of <laughs> like evil people that you go inside their palaces of. Interesting musical air gear, huh? Fascinating. I guess you can't really do a Beyond Tomb role on the guy who only has one role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's nothing to go beyond. Um, Next question is from Emery. If you are escaping prison, what would your getaway vehicle be? Um, for me, it would, be, it would be the tank on the elevator that Olivier Armstrong is riding up, but I yeah. just hop on that on the way past. <laughs> um, also, linked question to that, Skeeps asks, what dual monster would you want to be your driver? So I'm in the, I'm in the sidecar in this, then? I Yeah, I guess. Because I guess. I'm not driving. The dual monster is driving. So I have to be put in the sidecar. Yeah, and you're throwing the bananas and stuff. I mean, I'm the, a good old reliable Chevy S10 pickup. Uh-huh. I'm just like, but like the back is one of those, you put tarp in it and it's full of water. So I'm in like a kind of makeshift hot tub as uh-huh. fucking, <laughs> as, as like Jinzo is driving me out of prison. Uh-huh. So what's the, how does the hot tub help you get out of prison? Uh, it helps me relax as I'm being freaked out because I'm escaping prison. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm simply vibing here. My friend Jinzo is doing all the work. I'm like. S- sipping on like a, a strawberry daiquiri uh-huh. in this nice hot tub and Jinzo's like again driving us down an elevator shaft and, uh-huh. and the drink is like the drink flies out of my hand but like I'm still holding the cup and then we, when we land it lands perfectly back in the cup I take another sip <laughs> extremely good bugs what about the rest of y'all yeah, I can't decide I can't decide between either like a rally racer Ooh. like very sturdy all-terrain kind of car in which I help navigate because obviously I know the interior of the mm-hmm. prison while my companion, probably the bolt hedgehog, because that's mm-hmm. the main one that I remember. Oh, I was going to uh, pick the bolt hedgehog. Does all the driving. We know hedgehogs go fast. <laughs> hedgehogs do go fast. Uh, could also do like a dirt bike. Might be easier to get through narrow places on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you can trial bike over the, over the cubicles and stuff. Yeah. Up and down staircases. Yeah. yeah. See, I... Alternatively, it's the Ikira bike, but you can only go sideways. You have to slide all the way. <laughs> yeah, you drift down the entire way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what if there are any like narrow doorways? Well, then you have to find a wider one. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Tough. <laughs> <laughs> Your main challenge of escaping on the Akira bike is finding doors wide enough to slide you, through. You have to you have to calculate as mu- the, the amount of force you would need to Akira bike and shatter the door frame <laughs> yeah. and continue your way through. Um, I think. My vehicle would be those like the, I get. I feel like you used to see them all the time in cartoons, but like those tunneling machines that basically just like like a minivan with tank treads and a giant drill on. Yeah, the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you can just go down. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely. I'm. I'm drilling out of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shawshank Redemption too. And, um, and I guess my driver, based on the very small number of dual monsters that I encountered in this, uh, would be the healing wave generator. Because you like, your D. I feel like I could always do with a little more D for yeah. myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Especially during a prison escape. They're going to be shooting <laughs> yeah. at me. You got to a little bit of a buffer. Uh, our next question on the Discord is from Kirby, Kirby the Cleric, who asks, Do you think Yusei could survive in the Battletoads sewer level stages racing against the Battletoads themselves? Which of the Battletoads do you think would be most likely to challenge Yusei to a duel? Blister. Yeah, I don't... I do not know yeah, Battletoads. I, the only thing I know about <laughs> Battletoads was the Battletoad arc of Bed Bath and Bionicle, and that didn't end well for anyone. Yeah. Um, no, it's look. Uh, excuse me, there bed, are three bath, bed Bath and Bionicle. What? Oh, there's a, that's a whole. <laughs> so we'll, ex- we'll explain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, here's the thing: the three battle toads are Rash, Pimple, and Zitz. So, like I'm saying, Blister is the fourth battle toad. Uh, I think Yusei is maybe the only human who could traverse that course. Ushio would try, and he'd like beef it after one single obstacle. Re- wretched video game. Actually, based on Bed Bath and Bionicle, I am going to say Bailey would challenge Yusei to a duel. Oh um, uh, yeah, and would, would beat Bailey. Um, everyone, go listen to Bed Bath and Bionicle podcast ever. Um, our final question is from uh, Tequila Zaku, number one Bruno Stan. Uh, he asks, "Do you think they just teach you how to ride backwards and do Akira slides at Five D's driving school?" You have to learn how to do that. You have to demonstrate the ability to do that before you're able to drive forward. Yeah, the, the sideways first. They teach you the fundamentals first, and that's the fundamentals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I have a question. What is your question? Sarah, why is Yusei's coat like that? Oh, you mean the part where it sticks out in the back as if he's still sitting on a motorcycle, even when he's not sitting on a motorcycle? Completely perpendicular to his body, as though it were stiffened with steel? Yeah, it's starched so that he can sit on a bike without, like, worrying about rumpling it, because it's, like, pre-rumpled and can't be unrumpled, because it's, like... It's probably like a, an aluminum sheet. No, not aluminum. It's like carbon fiber. It's like shaped <laughs> in such a way that, you know, it's like F1. It, it, it is ruffled in such a way that it gives really good airflow. Yeah. If I were making a costume for a person who sat on the bike all the time, that's exactly what I would do. Mm-hmm. I feel like this was a solved problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just like flourish it out of the way. There's no such thing. At, the only the only solved problem in five Ds is the problem of friendship, and we solve it by having more of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why is he not wearing a motorcycle jacket? There is a garment for this very purpose. I'd like to think that his jacket is kind of a motorcycle jacket. I think his just, jacket d- is a just like how they ride kind of motorcycles. Yeah, yeah. It's got like red orbs on it, like from motorcycle jackets. Yeah, just yeah. like motor- just like bike jackets do. <laughs> yeah, red orbs. What? I'm so confused. <laughs> the, the, the circles he has on it, you know? Yeah, I remember little circles, yeah. Hang hang on a second. <laughs> I, have a, I have a serious objection to make here. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking at Yusei's motorcycle here. Uh-huh, mm-hmm. uh-huh his dual runner. His, his, his uh-huh. You will note that he has like a weird seat that curves up behind him like a banana. Uh, air intake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My point is, the stiffened bit of his coat that sticks out behind him runs directly into that. It doesn't actually follow the curvature of what's behind him? No. (laughs) Yeah, it does kind of get shoved right up against it, huh? That must mean that there is like a perfect like sort of letterbox slot in the seat of that dual runner that we just can't see, which is where the coat slots it's in. It's to keep him from oh, falling off. And it actually off. keeps him there. You're right. No, look. It's instead of a seatbelt. Here's a photo of, of, I guess, a real life D-wheel that someone made. Uh-huh. The gap between the seat cushions 
is oh. where the little slit of his uh, coat ruffle goes. Oh. Wow. The more well, okay uh, then. And again, Tom, there's no seatbelts because the biggest danger in a duel is losing your life points. Yeah, you're fine if you're actually in a duel. Yeah, I I did notice that it seems like these cards have no effect on the world until you exhaust someone's life points and then their motorcycle just stops. Yep. Oh, I will I will say from a motorcycle perspective, seatbelts and harnesses are oh, a yeah. terrible idea yeah. because you actually need to get away from the machine if you get into an accident. And definitely don't go like, back into the flaming wreckage to get your car back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Life tips yeah. <laughs> from Pot of Greed. Safety first. Safety first. All right, gang, we've been Pot of Greed. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can find us on the <laughs> internet, uh, on Twitter, at Pot of Greedcast. You can find us on Discord if you go to kaipa.online. You can find us on Tumblr, co-hosts, all that shit like that. Uh, you can also find us on a Patreon, uh, where you can get some bonus episodes at the $1 tier. And at the $5 tier, you can A, listen in live to the episodes, uh, like absolutely no one is doing it now, but I'm sure you, like, you could have done that. Like, come on, guys, get your shit together next time. But the other thing we do to our $5 patrons is... A special thank you to our $5 patrons who are Colton Crow, Emery, Joelle Thomas, Moore Haunting the Morgue, Riley Hopkins, and Shadow Sandbag. Thank you. Thank you. It's Final Fantasy just from Yu-Gi-Oh! Wow. Excellent. <laughs> i got to play more Final Fantasy Theorism to, to explore more about this. Before yeah. I do, though, uh, as we do our plugs, Tom and Nina, where can we find y'all on the internet? Uh, we are the co-hosts of Mobile Suit Breakdown, a Gundam anime podcast. You can find us at uh, GundamPodcast.com. I don't know how we managed to snag that URL, but we did. When we decided to make a Gundam podcast, there weren't any. That's, <laughs> and, that's how we got that. Yeah. And then uh, that's also our handle on most social media. Very nice. And also on Nevermind the Trollocs. That's right. Right. If if you if you enjoy this particular arrangement of yeah. hosts. Whenever they get around to releasing the second season. Yeah. That I, Theoretically could happen this year. It could happen. I'm actually going on Twitter right now to look up what our Twitter for Nevermind the Trollocs is because I can't remember. It was NVM the Trollocs, I believe. NVM the cool. Trollocs, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it is. Wow. And, We're geniuses. Uh, and, and look forward to exciting as yet unannounced future projects. From Sarah yeah, and I keep I. I'm vaguely saying I am making an audio drama, and then I don't, I, I have nothing to show. It's happening. It's happening. What else can you show, Sarah? Sh- show. Uh, I am Sarah McCostumes. You can find me on the internet, pretty much everywhere, everywhere at Sarah McCostumes. Um, you can find a lot of bunch of podcasts I do, including like at least three different podcasts with these people. Um, and yeah, nothing too exciting. Both Killer Chronicles will actually finish soon. So look out for that, Yay. I guess. Popcorn Max. Hi, I'm Max. I'm on Twitter at MaxiBajillion, and my other shows are uh, Slappers Only, a video game music showdown podcast. Our next episode, there's been no, our next episode is going to be for a while. It is going to be on <laughs> Final Fantasy XIV on Realm Reborn, because uh, that was the one that I played. Uh, and that's on Twitter at uh, Slappers Only Pod. And our other show is Wow Cool Robot, which is, coincidentally enough, another Gundam podcast, but... <laughs> Look, if you want to go into podcasts made by people who know what they're talking about, listen to Mobile Soup Breakdown. If you want to hear me talk about <laughs> soup a lot, you can listen to Wow Cool Robot. <laughs> um, it's an effective form of relationship demonstrating. Yeah. And I mean, 
Mo- well, most every other Gundam podcast does kind of go in chronological release order of the shows. Uh, I just kind of jump around to whatever like my friend co-hosts want to talk about. So we've discussed Iron-Blooded Orphans. We've discussed, um, we just finished up Build Fighters. And our next one actually is going to be War in the Pocket, which I believe Mobile Suit Breakdown is, has just finished through. Yeah, we we are done through F91 now. Oh, damn. Damn. Uh, so. And we are currently getting ready for 0083. Nice. War in the Pocket is great. Yeah. They put a whole war oh. in a pocket? Wow. Damn. It's a big pocket. <laughs> I'm used to putting sunshine in my pocket. That's a pocket I can get behind. Um, <laughs> That's it, I think, right? That's it. I will set myself face down and the floor explodes underneath me and I fall down an elevator shaft, but I don't die because I have a card in my hand. It's all good. I, I set myself face down inside one of the Indiana Jones crates and go to bed. <laughs> You'll never find me. I would set, <laughs> I, I would set myself face down, but the entire floor of the office is covered in merch that I need to get mailed. Nar! Sniffle, tear. I set myself face down and prevent Nina from mailing any of that merch. Oh no! <laughs> it's a conflict of interest. The hosts are fighting. Uh, bye bye. Peach. Peach. Peach.